0: Proudly sponsored by Swiss, whose mission is to make millions around the world healthier and happier. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Shop in store or online today. This is the House of Aths.
1: Hello everybody and a very warm welcome to you right across the SN Radio Network. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. We it all thanks as well to our great partners at Swiss Move Confidently with the Swiss Magnesium Range, which you know, Johnny Steph, as I welcome you right around us in the country. I've hit the Magnesium Range, and I'm feeling on top of the world. How's it doing, big dog?
2: How are you, my guy? And we must say before we start the show that we, we're not going to let you slide past this, Cameron. It is your special day. It is your <laughs> no. day, my man. It is your birthday, it Cameron. So massive happy birthday. I hope you have Thank a fantastic you. day, my man. And how better it is, or what better it is, for you to do the radio podcast well, with Johnny Steph on my, my, day, my, so my only
1: The only present that I wanted, and funnily enough, the only present that I received was to spend some time with you. Even though you are not here, which is traditionally, <laughs> as we worked out off a text message last week when somebody asked, it is the norm. So I have to ask, you're looking a million bucks. Where are
2: you? Yes. I'm in Malaysia at the moment. Go man. on. So uh you know, like the great Vasco da Gama, I'm out here discovering new things, uh Cameron. Did, uh, <laughs> And I'm in, and I'm in Malaysia. No, no, um, yeah. It, look, mate, it's 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 just part of the game these days, man. You know, the step has to be keep keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Rolling stone gathers no moss. But I can tell you something. Something that's rolling is our Australian summer season, and it's coming in hot, hot, hot. Which I will be back in Australia for the Adelaide Track Classic, so Good. I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to um as well as um the obviously into the barry plant meeting and all the rest of our summer season karen so um, um before i do that uh steph's taking care of a bit of business as you can hear the chaos behind me of the beautiful city of kuala lumpur a year in malaysia but Cam, Keep talk me. to me big big week this week, we have um, and 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 honestly, be, and in the world of sport, got the Australian Open happening. Yes. Obviously, like I said, we have got the athletics. um mm-hmm. uh, What are you looking forward to coming into um Adelaide Track Classic with Matt Denny competing? Your boy, and then uh, Roland Browning committed to uh the hundred meters um, at the Murray Plant meet.
1: I'm looking forward to Browning. Uh, I'm looking forward to and Matt Denny is uh, no doubt. Uh, he's
2: what do you think what do you think about this diet this this new diet he's coming up with well year.
1: you know what <laughs> at different times and you might be able to explain it even better but I assume at different oh. times in athletes careers, Diets change and ideas and theories and the way you go around things change, right? So the way you can approach things at a certain age or a certain bit of form or whatever it might be changes. You get a bit older or as an injury, re- whatever it might be. So I assume that athletes, every time I hear a diet being involved in a conversation around something changing, I absolutely assume that every athlete at some point has had to change their diet. Like Usain Bolt wasn't dropping 20 McNuggets in uh, Rio de Janeiro like he was in in Beijing, right? Well, um, <laughs> no, okay. Well, you say bold, no. probably a bad example, but you, you know my paint Like as you get a little bit older, no, you have to no, no, in all walks of life, you have to be a little more um, on top of you're... what you're putting into your body. So I, I, made, I, I felt it no different.
2: You're 100 percent correct, and, and and I think. Um, when you see an athlete, there's two schools of thought on this, how I see it. And mm-hmm. hindsight allows me to have my second school of thought. But when you're an athlete, you're, and especially a track runner and especially a sprinter, um, you're dealing with thousands of a second. And for every season you're looking for what is going to be the catalyst, which allows me to make that next jump into that top eight in the world. And it sounds like Rowan has looked towards his diet where they feel quite comfortable with how he's training, quite comfortable with the program they have him and Murph. And he's gone, okay, the one area which I think maybe I'm lacking is my diet. And it looks like he's focused his energy on there. And he's happy. You know, all reports, it sounds like he's happy. Um, And the most important thing for an athlete is to be happy. The other school of thought I have is when I look back at my career, I look back at all the things I did do. And sometimes all I have to do is just keep it simple and continue doing what I was doing sure. and the results were going to come. It just would, would take a bit more time and by making all these changes you never ever get a status quo to allow your body to adapt and to go to the next level so it's, it can seem like you're clutching at straws so there's two that's my two schools of thoughts and one is because now i'm retired and i can look back at my career maybe not another athlete's career and then you look at some athletes you, you hear them do these massive diet changes they lose a gang of weight and they're just not the athlete they used to be this they're, they're not as strong um they're not as quick um and, and you see a big change in in, in how they perform. And others they get a massive positive response. Mm. I think with Rowan, um, I don't think it hurts for him to lose a bit of weight. I think he did go into a lot of championships um looking quite solid. Uh and I don't say overweight, I say solid. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the style of runner he is, he's such a diverse runner. He can run the one, two and four, especially when he was in when he was in high school. Um that that it tends for me to think that he's a he's a very strong foot athlete and he has the ability to run all up to four, which means he's a bit more on the leaner side than the bulkier sprinter strong side. Um and uh I, I think what he has to worry about, which I'd be worried about, is losing so much weight early in the season. Like Nick Badeau said, um, and he told me and through my career, and we get to talk to him in this episode, um, is it's about preparing for the European international yeah. season. And in preparation for that is also how you taper not only your training program, but how you taper your weight and your diet and everything else that comes along with it. You don't want to be tapering this early with your weight. You want to almost be carrying a little bit of puppy fat going into the summer season, going into European season, um, and then shed that over the next two and a half, three months through stress. Uh, through travel and through a number of factors, which normally is quite hard for Australians to shed weight over in Europe because the diet changes, your this your homeostasis as far as how you how you live changes, um, and and that's the only thing I'd be, you know, if I put my 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 athlete hat on, would be a little bit worried on how much weight too soon for Rowan um, when it's only January and the European season is another six and a half months away. Is it the right? Is it
1: so? But so just on that before I ask that question, like. It must be, at different times, so hard to maintain whatever weight you are on, whatever athlete you are, when you leave the Australian shores. Because I'm assuming at different times. I'm not talking about camp or when you're the Olympic games or the rest of it. I'm talking about hotel to hotel, athlete to athlete, meet to meet, whatever it might be, country to country. Did you have troubles with it?
2: It's one of the most difficult. The first two years I lived in America, I, I, I my weight suffered so much. I couldn't mm-hmm. control it because the food was just different. You know, for at the time I was 21, 20, 21 years of age, and I moved to America, and so for twenty one years I was eating. I, I never travelled. I was eating like you know what we ate at home, and you know in America the produce is very different and the meat's very different and blah blah blah. But um, it's it's probably for Aussie athletes the hardest thing when you go to Europe in your first season is just getting used to. Um, just your daily habits and living that you're so used to and that just become autonomous when you're living at home. When you're in Europe, you've got to actually go searching and looking for it. And let me tell you some countries it's almost impossible to find what we eat at home. So um, these are things where you experience campaigners, your seasoned vets, which we talk about in the show a lot are used to when they come to Europe. And it'd be great to get Nick's opinion um, on the show. Do, uh,
1: about about that. Do you think he can break ten and make an Olympic final, Rowan Browning? Because it, it's it, it would. Uh, well, we'll talk to Nick a little bit later on about uh, mm. athletics in his country mm. and the mm. continual fight against the AFL, the and other the major mainstream sports. Right. Just to be, if 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 Rowan Browning and we did see when he won a, when he won a heat in Tokyo when he made the semi-finals, mm. what he was able to do to the conversation. If he was able to break ten, which is irrelevant, making the mm. final. Is it he would probably, yeah. I believe, yeah. have to break 10 to yeah, do yeah. that? But yeah. if he does 10 20 and he's in the final, that's all that matters. Do you think he can do it? Do you think he has the chance this year? A semi finals last year at Worlds. Do you think he can do it and make an Olympic final? Uh,
2: make an Olympic final is tough, it's hard work. It's gonna be very tough for him. He can break 10, he's yeah, I mean, that, <clears throat> that's the least of his worries. I mean, that but you 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 put it you put it quite correct there um for him now it's not about breaking 10 he'll get a little bit of media for that he'll get a little bit of hype for that and and, and they'll they'll get behind him. the media will get behind him and say that he has the ability to make the final um uh, Rowan now has to make the final. uh he has the ability to make the final' mm-hmm. That's, if you ask me does he have the ability oh man anyone does you put yourself in that position like he has done here in the last especially the last three four years hundred mm-hmm. percent Rowan can make this final without a doubt. But now it's getting to a point where he's getting old enough now. He's been in the sport long enough now, and he understands. I think this is why he's making these tweaks. He knows, uh, I, he, and he would want to. There's been nothing. I, I, I'd be hard done by to think that Rowan's happy to make a semi at the Olympics. He's going there, and I don't. I like the think this. not only to make the final. Mm-hmm. I think to get a medal. Like I, I legitimately think his mindset would be that. So um. Uh, but if you ask me the, the odds and how, how difficult it is, it's it's very difficult. It's not easy. And I want the public to understand that. So when he does make the final, mm-hmm. he gets his flowers. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to make it because I... the final is, is a very, very hard position to be in. But he definitely has the ability. Um, running nine will give him the confidence. Running nine will get the media behind him. Um, and then he's just up to Rowan now to go out there and make it happen. He's had enough time now, Cam, and it's time he delivers.
1: Uh, I th- I think it's time. I think he can make the final. Uh, if he can. And this diet is... Uh, I'm not saying you know, 100% related to 2022, to a slightly disappointing because of the standard of which he set in 2021, right? So 2021, uh, of course what's happened since then is he's been right there on the cusp, but he hasn't quite got to that final of a major championship. And I'm not saying the diet's a be-all and end-all, but there's no doubt when you, you know, there's there's millimetres, there's milliseconds between the best athletes in the world, over 100 metres, getting a medal, making a final, and being a semi-finalist, which Rowan continues to be at major. So, I I have no doubt that the diet is part of an overall look and where it's all at. He can do it, Johnny. He can do it.
2: Before before we end this topic, yes. I will say this. What I have loved about Rowan, and I'm a mm-hmm. hard marker on him because this is how good I think he is, is that for the last, since 2021, every year he has shown up at 99% to his best, True. towards where his personal right best there. is. And I take my hat off to him for that because mm. that is what you need to be doing because you consistently keep doing that. The breakthrough has to come. And um, between him and Murph and uh, all his team, I, I, I commend him on that because that's what our sport needs in this country, and that's what these young athletes need to see. These guys like Rowan year in be be right close to their best. So it's a very hard thing to do, by the way, Cam. Very, very, very hard. hard. To he, and he's done it.
1: Do you know what we need to do? Two things. One is get to a break, but two, more importantly, we need to get Rowan Browning on this show. Yes, we do. We need to get Rowan Browning on this. Show He'll run the 100 and the 200 in a couple of weeks' time as well in Melbourne at the Mori Plant. He'll take on the very, very, very strong Japanese runners over both the 1 and the 200 metres, which promises to be a wonderful night. And it's all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And make sure you jump into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. And all thanks to Swiss. Move more confidently with the Swiss Magnesium range. Nick Badeau, super coach, will join us next.
0: Proudly sponsored by Swiss, whose mission is to make millions around the world healthier and happier. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Shop in store or online today. This is the House of Ats.
1: It is the House of Ats. Johnny, Steph, Cam, Luke, working our way through what is a uh, a huge build-up into a huge Chemist Warehouse summer of athletics right here in Australia. And Johnny, Steph, look, we say this each and every week. And today's guest is absolutely no different. We only get the best on this show. We only get the absolute creme de la creme, best in their field. That is true, right, Johnny?
2: I, I've never disagreed, Camp. Exactly. And our next guest is is someone that that that. That I loved mm-hmm. and that I got to spend a lot of I got to spend the end of my career with. Yep. Um and, 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 and still still talk to quite a bit. And, and I consider him a friend. We can ask him <laughs> when, once we get him on air <laughs> or what he feels about me. But uh but we're talking about the one and only and then another, uh Mr. Nick Badot. Nick, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, only you're a friend, of course you're a friend.
2: Yeah, I love you, brother. Hey, Nick, let's jump straight into it, mate. Um, you know, there's not one episode that we get into every week that your name doesn't come up. And uh, and as you know, I'm I'm a big advocate of yours and and the work that you've done, not only um in Australia but worldwide. And uh, I've been I was very lucky enough towards the back end of my career to to work alongside you, and I really got to see the effort you put into um not only your own family, not only the track family, but really your team and and that team team's tentacles extends across the world. I mean, you got Irish, British, Spanish, I mean, American. You've got so many different athletes that you help present day. Um, But why don't you walk us through sort of, um, you know, what still drives you now, Nick? I mean, it's been so many years um, you, you seem not to age. I saw you in Budapest. You're still looking young. Um, but what drives you? you? You've reached so much with various athletes, and, and just to name a couple: um, Kathy, Craig Mottram. Um, but what drives you now? What What motivates you to get up and split training camp now uh, well, look, uh, with the
3: athletes? What is it, Nick? Look, the first thing is it's a passion for the sport. I love the sport. I'm a fan. I love watching it. But then there's also uh, the fact that you can recognize someone who doesn't realize where they can get to and then you can change their mind and develop them to becoming a, a top competitor, in the world, a, a world-class athlete and help them get there, and that, it's very rewarding. And as some of the people you, you've named um, like, that I've helped, it's been great for me to see their, uh, their, their lives turn around and doors open for them and uh, experience happen to them that may not have happened if, if someone hadn't pointed them in the right direction.
1: It's it's an incredible career that you've continued and continue to this day to amass. You've had some of the best athletes underneath you, and it it is really interesting. It's a, it's a great question by Johnny Stephenson because you have reached so great heights, and the motivation is a huge part of it. I, I just want to take you back to your early career. Is it was it all where you're always so deeply ingrained and so deeply passionate about the sport and and being able to coach and and help the best athletes in Australia and the world?
3: Well, yeah. It, as a kid, I, I sometimes pretend being a coach um, with my family and my mates. But um, now I've always been a sports fan. I love sports. All sports. You know, I'm, I'm always watching sports, whether it's running or not. And then, um, you know, I just decided at some point uh, that I wanted to work in athletics, I wanted to be involved in athletics. And uh, for a while, I was a journalist for a few years, and, and then I, um, through that work, I got more contact with um, organisers of events and and better athletes and was able to help them and direct them and steer them in the, in the right path. So you know, I've been doing it really probably since the mid-80s, um, that long ago. So it's, it's a career that's well over 30 years, maybe even coming up to 40 years now of uh, uh, doing this thing. And it's, I enjoy it, you know, I, I you know, the, people say, oh, it must be great fun traveling around the world. Well, I'd be happy if I could just do it from home. Um, but that, no, fast it's, it's in countries all around the world, you've got to travel. But it's it's fantastic being in those big events. And, you know, I love being in the warm-up crap, and people are all nervous and, and the stakes are high and people are on edge and, and they've got to go out there and, and deliver uh, what they prepare to do. It's it's, it's, it's great fun. And um, it's, it's a lot of uh, reward for yourself as well as for the athletes to, to see them succeed. That's where my reward comes in to see people achieve uh, great things.
2: I'm glad you say that, Nick, because I think over the years, I mean, I, th- I guess what I've always loved about you is your honesty um, and it, even if it hurts at times. And I think it's good for people to hear what drives you and what motivates you and what, what your real passion is. And that passion um, and the love for the sport is why you're happy to to be an antagonist and to question the narrative, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's your right or wrong, but let's get into it, Nick. Like, I'm not going to have you on the show, we're not going to deep dive into where how we can improve the sport because that's what we do. Like, this show, we love to ask questions, we love to challenge a narrative, and we're not here yeah, just to, to, to be romantic about the sport. Where can the sport improve, Nick? Not only domestically, but internationally. And then you've been a hard marker over the years, but rightly so, because you're a guy that's results driven, you're a guy that wants results. And I agree with you, I think that we should be always chasing results.
3: Look, there's a, there's a lot of things wrong. If you start with, uh, with Australia, um, there's people training in groups and doing the sport that are members of clubs that have no real connection with that club. If you play football, you play football every week for your team for that club. If you're an athlete, you run 10 times a year and half the time there's nothing to do with the, the club. So there's no real connection to, to keep people in except to improve. And that's half for people to maintain if they're not high standard at international and competing uh, high stakes, um, that's one of the issues with Australia, and there's less than this competition, like when I was first involved, people used to compete it up a dozen times before Christmas, now, now we're in February and plenty of our best athletes still haven't competed in Australia um, so how are we supposed to grow the sport and how are people supposed to see our good athletes if they, they really compete, here? they compete less and less here, um, then in, in Europe, if you turn on a, a Diamond League meeting um, uh, you'll see Five athletes in one colour uniform, another four athletes in another colour uniform, all different countries. And, and, and you turn on another Diamond League meeting a week later, you see exactly the same thing. There's so much that looks exactly the same. So, most of the stuff that's televised in Diamond League and, and circuit meetings in Europe, they're, they're basically practice matches. The only things you really count each year are the, the championships, the, the World Championships, the European Championships, the Olympic Games, and yet they only happen once a year. So... Most the other than things is just, yeah, the people run fast, but it's, that's one of the problems. People will focus on what time they run rather than winning the races. It just doesn't yeah. always take winning is prize money, and, and uh, it's not even that much prize money that counts that much, so um, it's a bit of a, it's not really set up well. That's what, that's one of the big problems. It's a great sport. Because, you, know, you People love to get watch the Olympic Games or the World Championships and see people from teams run against each other and, and people support their teams, but... No one supports uh, Nitro because athletes who are wearing Nitro, or an Adidas athlete is wearing Adidas, or a uh, New Balance athlete is wearing New Balance. No one sees saying, yeah, go New Balance. So they're just out there running, and it's, it's hard to identify what's actually going on. Everything looks so much the same. 100%.
2: Nick, and, I, and, I, and I tend to agree because, I mean, that was the whole reason why we came with the concept of Nitro, and you were very much behind that. You were actually the, the coach and captain of the Team Australia. But I want to ask you a question Nick, if that is the case, and these athletes are, are competing less and less in January February and especially our top athletes do you think our season's too long do you think our Australian season starts too long do you think that we should have our national championships which has been thrown out there um, in July up in Darwin or selection championships and, and allow the athletes to come and compete in Australia like an indoor season allow them just to compete and not worry about selection standards not worry about losing and as you know you're heavily involved in Nike and Puma and Deos over the years you're, obviously, you obviously know it's a bit like boxing right people try and protect their they boxing, because they don't want to lose. Um, and in your most that a little bit like that we're running as well.
3: I'm not sure it's too long. It's just not well structured. It's just it's not tough up. Like, everyone knows the Aval grandf- Grand Final is the last Saturday in September. Everyone knows the Melbourne Cup's the first Tuesday in November. Athletics competitions. The, the big meet we've got in Melbourne now in Australia is the Maury Plate meet, one coming up in February 15. But next year it might be March three. Year, a couple of years later, it might be February 4th. It's, it's never the same time and no one knows when it it's decided by when the car races on Albert Park or when the um, Taylor Swift concert's in town. And we just don't, we're not strong enough to have our own schedule, our own program. So that that's one of the problems that things aren't on all the same time every, every year and no one really knows when they're on and they change all the time. You know, our nationals used to be in the first weekend in March, now they're the first weekend in April. Um, me, I, I would prefer our season started at Started January and was over by middle of March. So athletes should get on back to train for the European season. We finish up in April, and people who have been training hard all that season, competing a lot, then want to have a bit of a rest. And before they know it, they're supposed to be in Europe competing in late May, early early June. And just, they just they find it hard to balance their preparation and plan for those seasons and be at their peak when they need to be at the biggest competitions because Australia is not really. It'd be better if we were in sync with the indoors. The indoors is always the first week in March when they have a championship, the European or world. It'd be great for Australia mm. if we were on that plane. And yeah. you know, the, the indoor uh, competitions generally go from middle of January to early March. And Australia, we, we have a 10000 meter race in December. Uh, and <laughs> I've had people come down here in, in December and go, what's going on here? Why are they running a 10000 meter race in December? It's not in sync with anything else in the rest of the world, and that's, that's one of our problems. We, it's hard because the seasons are different. But we're not big enough to have a full-blown season in Australia, but we should try and match it up with an indoor season, is what I think.
1: Uh, based on that, Nick, how, how much uh, harder is it to actually coach? Is it, does it make a huge difference to your, your coaching ideas and theories and the way you implement things year in, year out? Mm.
3: Yeah, there's a whole lot of things that are hard to be an Australian coach. You, you've got to have people... When they're first starting out, they've got to compete very well in Australia to get a performance, to mm. get them any recognition or notoriety to get into races overseas. So they've got to be the absolute best in February or March uh, and then do it again in, in June, July. As John will tell to you as an athlete, that's not always that easy to do. Mm. If you're better than everybody else, you can be a little bit off your best in February and March and still be there very well in Australia and then be building up to your best form in July and August. But it's, mm. it's very good to do early days. Mm. And the other thing is we have got to you know, have people preparing for our European season in, in the winter months of May and June before they go and compete late June, early July in Europe. We've got to travel 24 hours and stay in Europe for three or four months. where are all the European athletes. They go to meet the day before, go home the day after, and they train mm-hmm. their own environment at home. There's so many things that are more challenging in Australians, but... You know, I'm, I'm saying that there are things that, that are great that we have. Like it, it, Right now in Europe it's snowing and freezing cold in America and there's beautiful sunshine in Melbourne and we can train in warm weather uh, in our base period. But it is difficult to manage that as a coach because it's not the same uh, as it is for the athletes on the other side of the world. They they, they have a The whole athletics world isn't set up for Australia. It's set up for Europe. It's really a European sport. Americans can fit in because they're... Their season is at least the same, but their season basically finishes America, so is life, and then we go to Europe. But in Australia, we're, we're totally different. So it, it's not just as, as simple as we're competing in winter during the European summer. It's just the way you prepare and, and the pressure on people when they're competing down you know, years compared to when they have to go to Europe. Mm. Um, there's so many different demands that we've got to cater for in, in the training and the, and the preparation. You've got to consider all those things as a coach.
2: Nick, I absolutely love that you have said all that because this is something we talk <clears throat> week in, week out on the show. Um, around, it's not just Australia, right? And it's not just about preparing for Australia. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a big critic on a, a lot of uh, coaches over over my time, thinking that we we worry too much about what's going on in Australia and we sometimes forget what's happening internationally. And you're being one. You have been one that's flown the flag. For what our athletes do internationally um, and how they compete internationally and how they how they correlate between the Australian season and the international season, and I think that is I think that is a really really important uh, part of our sport growing as well when we talk about how, why our sport doesn't grow, especially in our region. But, Nick, let's segue all the way into something now. When you talk about seasons, um, this is probably one of the biggest seasons every four years that comes, which is Olympic year. You've got Paris looming, got World Indoors coming up. And you're a type of coach and guy that I love because you've got athletes competing in all competitions and you're preparing for all of them. And you don't just hunt purely just for Olympic Games you specifically. You're almost a little bit like, you know, like a like a gay waterhouse or, or, or a – or a, or a uh, Kieran Ma, you know, that, that you decide, you know, which horse is the best for which competition to get the most out of him. Um, talk us through your stable of athletes that you have, uh, which are ones we should look out for, who are the ones that you think are the young ones that are coming up that you're so You very oh, famously I'm, called out to me. You oh. called out to me at Waverly Oval long, long time, about six, seven years ago. You pointed at to me and you said, Johnny, that kid's going to be a superstar. So walk us through it, uh, Nick.
3: Well, I've got like 60 athletes, so I can't talk you through. But I've got you know, contenders for medals. I've got this Norwegian guy who was third in the World Championships last year, Nave Nordas. Um, I've got the, the best Swedish uh, distance runner. Uh, I've got the best British woman marathon runner, Charlotte Padoos, down in Australia training. Uh, I've, I've got uh, the Irish record holding 5K and 1500, and the 1500 meter runner, one hour's out race in December. So I've got people from other countries, but then Australia, the Australians are. Stuart McSwain, who's got a great reputation in Europe for being aggressive and front-running and winning races, yet he's hardly been seen in Australia. He's only, he only competes once or twice every year. Georgia Griffith, who made the final in, in Eugene in the World Championships, she's been top four in Diamond League races in Europe, but she's walked down Burke Street, and no one would know her. Um, that's the problem. That when our people are doing our best work, our, our athletes are doing the best work, it's in the middle of the night, and most of the Australians are asleep. And you might get a snippet on the radio and usually someone wins or breaks a record, but it doesn't have the traction in Australia that other sports do. Um, because there's... There, there, our big event, the Olympic Games, only comes around once every four years and the World Championships are still a big event, still only once a year. Whereas um, every, our tennis has got four championships a year. Golf has four big championships a year. Uh, every other car race has got big races all the time. You now, the Diamond League, yeah, it's... It, it's the, the Oslo has the Dream Mile, but most people don't know who won the Dream Mile last year. Two years ago, Stuart McSlain won it. He's, got, he's the only Australian ever to win that race. That, that should be a big deal in Australia. It, it should be like. But, oh, but Nick, Nick uh, sorry
2: to cut you off, but I, and I love that you said that because I think that is the that is another fundamental change in floor of our sport is about getting these communications out because mm-hmm. when you say things like that, I mean there's people that understand the purest of athletes understand how big the Oslo Dream Mile is, and for Stu to be the mm-hmm. only Aussie to win that, that is that is that really goes up into a lot of great sporting moments in Australia, but you would never hear of it.
3: Yeah, you know, he's in the, in the same. If you talk about the previous winners, it's Jack of Ingerbridgeson, it's Seb Coe, it's Steve Cram, it's Steve Ovette, it's mm. John Walker. Yeah, so when, and he's, he's one of the winners of that race, whereas you just don't, you're not able to get the credit in Australia. But that, that's okay, we, we're aware of it. We, our chance to really shine is the Olympic Games. But unfortunately, that only comes along once every four years. But lucky that whoever did well in the Olympic Games in Tokyo, it's only three years to... Mm. The people haven't forgotten them, hopefully. Normally, it's new ones come along for the next couple of games. And, and the ones who were successful last time, I've forgotten. It's hard to build in a connection to our athletes like you can with football players or even racehorses or cricketers because they're playing in front of their uh, Australian audience all the time we just don't get that.
1: I tell you what, Nick. There's a uh, is a lot of work to do, but do you think do you think as a sport here in Australia we are at least inching towards it? Are we heading in the right direction, albeit slowly at times?
3: Yeah, I think at the moment we've got uh, really good people working in the athletes. We're a really good team. The board and the, and the high performance staff and the people working in the sport are um, much way more passionate and way more interested than we've ever had before. They're, they're, nearly everyone's got some sort of background interest in the sport, and, and that that helps a lot. And we've got a lot of good athletes, but a lot of them have the right attitude and a lot of good coaches, some really good young coaches. So and that's what we can do at the moment. We can have good athletes and good coaches, but there's still work to be done behind the scenes to get the, the structure of the season, the structure of the sport better in Australia so that we can have our athletes exposed more regularly rather than, you know, the Australian Championships or the Murray Point in Melbourne before they send them off to, um, to Europe or America and we don't see them until the next year.
1: Super coach Nick Badeau joins us on the House of Ass we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse we might just touch back quickly on, on Stuart McSwain a young man who's been on this show a couple of times uh, it was a frustrating year in 2023 for him but he ended it with some momentum so when, when, you're, when you're working with an athlete and you know injuries and illness and sometimes uh, the inability to be able to find momentum can really ruin a season or at least dull a season how important was it that he ended the season well?
3: Yeah well cause it's so competitive our sport. We're not just competing against um, uh, a few countries. Every country does it. You know, there's all the African countries, all the South America, all the European countries. So if, you're not, if you have something go wrong, you're obviously going to be not as well prepared as you need to be. And he so had a, a couple of injuries and a sickness, three things in a row, pretty close together. And that sort it took a long time to get going. But he, he did get going at the end, mm-hmm. and he was in great shape at the end. And so his belief back, he still feels he can compete. He hasn't been at the top of his game really since 2020 and 21, and he was really good. 2022 is bothered by this long COVID, and, mm. and it, it, he been he well a couple of times, but he, he didn't get the consistency that he, he had those two years before. And last year, a couple of injuries and a couple of bouts uh, of being ill that um, ruined the season for him. But right now, he's training great, and I, touch forward, I hope he stays that way, because his attitude's right, he's, really, he's Building that momentum, he's building his talents, building that belief, building that face fitness. And he's really looking forward to putting on the show and taking on the 2022 World Champion Jake Whiteman at Albert Park on February 15th and, and having people start to talk about him again. and worry about him, about him being a contender to the Olympic Games 1500. And she's probably going to be one of the most watched events at the Olympic Games this year. It's got a, a lot of talk about it. And, and sure was seventh last time. We've had Ollie Hall become Commonwealth Champion. He was in the final in Tokyo too. Hopefully we won't like even three guys in the final this mm. time and, and we've got someone winning the medal. That'll be
1: fantastic. Have you ever seen the depth? We, we, Johnny, Steph and I speak about this a lot. Have you ever seen the depth like we are seeing right now in both the men's and women's 1,500 metres? Is this the deepest pool you've ever seen of top athletes around the world?
3: Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because the Europeans have learned how to train and, and have got their belief back. The last two world championships, the top three being Europeans, where were at least 20 championships before that was dominated by Africans. Uh, and, and now they're finding it hard to, to, to get in there. So, and, and it's not only the Europeans, the Australians are good. Like, we've got three guys qualified at the moment. By the time the team's picked, we'll probably have five, possibly even six guys qualified to pick out of for the game. So we've only, only seen three. And if it's that tough to make the team, the chances of guys progressing to the final are not better. So we had two in the final in Tokyo. It's great if we had three in the final in, in Paris. And... Even better if one of them was available medal and even better if one of them can pull it off.
1: Absolutely. Not. Nick, we always appreciate your time. Johnny, Steph, uh, you started this great chat. You can end it. Any last words for our super coach? Oh, well, now, now this is what he does. Nick, he's actually turned his oh, microphone sorry, sorry, off. You're right. Sorry. Here we go. You're right. No, 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 no. no. I'm looking forward to
2: seeing what Nick produces this year. He seems to pull a rabbit out the hat every year. And, Nick, um, I think it's also a good time to congratulate you, mm-hmm. not that you've retired yet, but to all the hard work that you've put in over the years. And, uh, and I think your sentiments are quite correct. on how we can improve the sport. But um, but I think uh, what you guys are doing, Athletics Australia, and, uh, and all your team, I think we're, we are inching, and we are getting better day by day. So let's hope for a great Paris, and look forward to catching up with you, mate.
3: Thanks for being on the cool show. Thanks
1: for the invite. This is the first podcast have ever been invited to speak on. Well, you know oh, no what? No way. We, I tell you what, we're going to not just change it today as we have, but it's also going forward. We'll touch base with you before Paris 100%. and uh, all the rest 100%. of it into a big season, man. So, Nick, thank you so much for jumping on.
3: So right, I'll see you guys.
1: Beautifully done. He's the man, Nick Badeau, and it comes to athletes under his charge. They're some of the best in the world. Johnny Steph, we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. A very quick break. Plenty more. House of Aths. Next.
0: Proudly sponsored by Swiss, whose mission is to make millions around the world healthier and happier. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Shop in store or online today. This is the House of Arts. That's right. This
1: is the House of Arts right around the SN Radio Network. John Stephenson, Cam Luke. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day and all thanks to Swiss, a proud sponsor of House of Athletics and move confidently with the Swiss Magnesium range. Nick Badeau who joined us, if you want to have a quick chat again or a quick listen to the chat, make sure you jump on scn.com.au and podcast and he joined us all thanks to Sink's Body, keeping you fit and active with Sink's Body, podiatrist Design foot care. The range is available at Chemist Warehouse, so make sure you check that out and a big shout out to our crew at Sink's Body, keeping you on your feet this summer. A man who's on his feet and he's going to be on his feet all the way to a major championship again is Matt Denny. Time and time again, he bobs up and rah, he throws a discus so particularly well when it comes to major championships. And last week, Cam Moon and myself had a chat to him on SEN. Hey, uh, another great name is Parry, and the Olympics aren't mm-hmm. too far away. Anytime we get into a, an Olympic year, it excites everybody, and none more than the athletes are going to be there. And our superstar discus thrower in this country is Matt Denny, and he joins us now fresh off taking – the John Landy Award for the able-bodied male athlete of the year had a big 2023, and he's ready to go. Hello, mate! Congratulations.
4: Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's pretty pretty stoked to get the award. It was a stacked year with the, I mean, just athletes in general, but especially the men's. Like, I was pretty pretty happy to get it over the top of a few of them. So.
1: Did uh, you have a couple of quiet uh, sherbets prior to uh, getting the award, or, or did you have to keep it clean and drink the water just in case you won it? Which you absolutely won of the front runners.
4: Yeah, well, no, was, uh, we're we're pretty in full block at the moment, You're in? so the old, the old waters will definitely uh, <laughs> stay on the on the main front runner until at least Paris, and then I think after Paris we'll swap it out for a couple of years. Matty? Mat- but it's Moons here, mate. Uh, I'm just looking at your record. 68.43. Um, clearly that's bigger than I can bomb a torpedo. Uh, that is a huge throw, mate. Uh, what's, can I ask what the world record is, please? Uh, the world record 7408.
0: Four metres. Have you got four metres in you?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, look, the the thing with this is, you know, with a headwind, it makes a lot of difference to the throw. So, like a lot of, you know, you look at major championships and stuff and everyone goes, oh, why are they not throwing, as far as the world record, why are they not always throwing 72, 73? But thing is, if you've got like a 40, 50k headwind and you hit it pretty well, you can get four to five metres out of it. Um, so, you know, put me in a decent wind. I think um, you know, 70, 71 plus is definitely achievable this year. Um, but you know, we obviously want more than that. So we'll, we'll see how the year progresses and we're moving pretty well off the back of last year, so, you know, not gonna put the ceiling too low for myself. Can I can I ask me obviously you'd probably do a little bit of a hammer throwing as well and you would have done a shot put as a young man. How how did the discus take you and not not the other I guess events so much? Well to be honest, so I, I was doing hammer competitively all the way up until yep. twenty eighteen COM games where I got silver. Um I ended up hanging it up just for a period of time. I might go back to it after after Paris, but um, I mean this disc, disc was obviously um kind of front runner, but the one of the main reasons was, was I like, could actually make a, a proper living from it. Um, you know, camera isn't in the diamond league, discus is that's where we, you know, if you're competitive, that's where you make your living and stuff. So that was the decision to kind of pull the pin on that. Um and I mean shot put can kind of just stay where it is. I'm not picking that thing up to try and be competitive anytime soon. That. Nah. That is a terrifying event, to be honest. Not only because you've got Ryan Krauser breaking world <laughs> records every week, but also that that shot is uh, an intimidating thing to try and try.
1: Matt Denny joins us. Uh, Olympian, of course, superstar, Commonwealth Games, gold medalist, Diamond League winner last year. Uh, you and I had a chat with John Stephenson on the show, House of Athletics, prior to Budapest last year, and we spoke about what it looked like in the back end of the year Budapest, uh, some frustration there. The Diamond League victory. How do you look back on two thousand and twenty-three? Major success for you. Disappointment. What, what's your overall emotion when it was all said and done?
4: Oh, I think it was, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty big year for me in a lot of in a lot of ways. Like I changed coaches at the mm-hmm. start of the year, and then to you know, I threw 62 or something at national championships, and then to turn that around to then go, you know. 68, 20 in a major championships. And obviously it's fourth again, but, um, you know, it's, it's not deterring me at all. And I know that there's a lot more to come and then to finish the year out on a PB, like we kind of went into that comp thinking or expecting, you know, we'd be happy to get 66 kind of where we started the international season. That's usually how, you know, that would track, but to come out throwing further and continuously progressing, like God is pretty excited. Um, And, the fact that Dale and myself, and also Joshie Humphreys and my team, you know, we we made those changes uh, late at the start of the year, um, and then to turn that into a pretty very successful season, um, and to know that there's more to grasp, kind of really excited us for this year. So, you know, we we sat down at the end of the season, everyone we was happy with it, but we all agreed that we're not done yet. We're not really fixated on you know Australian record. It's We're here to win championships and that's kind of where our goals are set for for Paris and you know we've we've had a pretty good couple of months um in prep so far for this season I think
1: just on that a few before more we will be good to go yeah absolutely before we just talk a little more paris so just for people who may not know diamond league is is such a huge uh financial reimbursement for for track and field athletes right across the world competing at major championships doesn't always translate to to major cash so well, when you when you win the diamond league final which you did and and a big I think it might be 50k on um, uh, it's around 50K, is that that's right? Is it a man? Is it around the $50,000? Yeah, 30, yep. It's
4: 30,000 US. Yep. Um Yeah. So I think it's like 48 grand Australian. them. Yep. So, you know, by the time it all gets taxed and stuff, it, it definitely doesn't look like that when it's.
1: True I mean, tax We all love the. Tax <laughs> I, mean, we're gonna, man. I was going to try and keep the ATO out of it, but here we are. I was going to ask you. Yeah, how, it's not how a much... brown paper bag. Let's <laughs> no, it's not... Mate, hey, I'll tell you what. They might have more athletes going, uh, Maddie. When it comes to that, how much does that help? Does it, does it ease the burden? At all? Does it help you at all when you're able to compete so well in these big Diamond League events?
4: Oh, look. Like I mean, obviously, um, like the financial, you know, progressing financial situation is always the goal, no matter um, who you are, especially in track and field, yep. to make it more of a focus but i mean i've i've really put a lot of effort into you know i've just finished my bachelor of business and and building my life outside of sport but also alongside it with my media career and whatnot so you know they've all been it's all been kind of working past uh pass and parcel in um you know progressing that and, and making it a lot easier on myself and not having to rely on always you know getting like whether it's funding or sponsors or whatever it's actually you know building a lot of my brand stuff and and you know uh, I guess all my media commitments has been helping as well. But you know, obviously, performing well is the number one thing. And if you're performing well, you're also getting paid. So that's you know, if if I can rely mostly on that, then I'm I'm in a great spot. Matty, tell us the lead up into Paris. Have you actually one? Have you been to Paris? And two, do you spend I guess weeks, months over through Europe in competition? going into the Olympics? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so I haven't been to Paris. I've passed through it, like, through the airport and stuff, but I actually haven't been to the city. Um, and we based in France last year for the season. But for us, it's going to be, um, we're looking at, you know, we'll have the domestic season starting in Adelaide uh, and then national champs and whatnot. And then we'll progress, go through two or three weeks in Europe, uh, sorry, in the US, and then we'll go to Europe from there do a few more weeks, do a couple of diamond leagues, and then we'll come home for a few more weeks. Just because the that like end of June, start of July shuts down for competitions because all the Europeans are doing their national championships. Okay. Um, so I'll come home and spend some time with um, with the family and kind of just get a a little bit more training in before heading back over for the pre-camp before Olympics. So it's going to be a busy year, and um, you know I'll go back over for the Olympics and. A few more comps, and so long as I have enough points to do Diamond League final, I'll do more comps, and I won't be home until mid-September. So, it's going to be a you know a good five-six month uh, travel day, oh, I guess travel time this year, but um, you yeah, know performing well and. And competing well it's it's all worth it in the end so
1: do, do you feel the intensity I, i'm talking from a sports fan perspective anytime it's an olympic year there's excitement it, it builds slowly and the the intensity seems to rise in in so many sports do you feel that do, do you feel that or do you have to try and keep it on an even keel
4: no like i i enjoy the um i enjoy the energy that people bring and like the expectation of performing in olympics and whatnot like i, I think that's you know, it's it's worth it's worth the effort, it's worth the um attention and also the stress of it. Like it you know, it's an Olympic for you know, there's Olympic pressure for a reason. There's you know, it's once every four years. So, you know, the fact that, you know, all the attention's coming back to track and field and um you know, being kind of a part of that attention surrounding, you know, fourth um at Tokyo and being oh so close to the medal, I think being able to Close that storyline loop of coming forth and always so close, and closing that for, I guess, Australian fans that have supported me and and people that support me is, yeah, I think it'd be a great little, you know, bow on top to close out with a win this year. But, um, yeah, like you obviously see it all ramp up, but it's it's, you know, people call it bandwagon, but I just I think you know it's just great for for people to show attention to the sport and to Olympic sports because I think it, it definitely deserves. Um, more than what it gets across the four years.
1: So. Now, Moons, have you been to Botswana Butchery in Melbourne? Have you been there? No, okay. that's, that's the one I haven't been you so. got to be there. Great yeah. steak. So Matt and I, when we did the House of Aths, all thanks to our, our great friends at Chemist Warehouse, I said, if you win Diamond League, I'll take you to Botswana Butchery. This might be a good time, Matt, because you're not <laughs> drinking. It's going to cost me less, man. So let me know when you're in Melbourne next, and we'll go when you're on the waters.
4: Hey mate, uh, I'm down at the start of uh, of February, so I might like, call you out pretty early for
1: it. Well, you're gonna have to be. I, I'm, I'm away for most of February. We'll definitely touch a, a touch oh, base on yeah, work. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I'm gonna go to Super Bowl, mate. It's not my fault, mate. Work calls. Oh, that's,
4: that's that's a tough life.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, mate, thank you. We we are, we are so pumped. Uh, we, you're not gonna be a stranger to SEN, not just with the House of Asp, but. Uh, as we lead towards Paris, uh, we can't wait to hear more of your wonderful journey as Athletics Nationals in Adelaide are going to be uh, very, very competitive. And then, of course, Paris, where you're going to go not just one and two better and get on the podium, but three, and you're going to bring a gold medal home, mate. We can't wait to watch it. Good luck.
4: No, you bet. I appreciate it, guys. Great to chat about it. And I'll uh, we'll see you in Melbourne Good luck, Matty. Superstar. Thanks, mate.
1: He's a superstar, Matt Denny, and he's going to go not one, not two but three spots better. Does that count? Fourth for first. Either way, he ain't finishing fourth. He's going to take a gold in Paris, and he's going to do it all thanks to Sink's body keeping you on your feet this summer. A very quick break. We'll wrap up the House of Aths next.
0: Proudly sponsored by Swiss, whose mission is to make millions around the world healthier and happier. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Shop in store or online today. This is the House of Aths.
1: Johnny Stephenson and Cam Luke, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Headed to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day and for Swiss, a proud sponsor of House of Athletics. This is what we do each and every week. You can always get involved. 043398 11610. And before we get out of here, a few people have done that asking just quickly what's coming up on the Athletics Australia calendar. Nick Madoe spoke about the changing dates year in, year out. So I'll just quickly run you through it if you're unaware. The Chemist Warehouse Adelaide Invitational is on the 10th of February. If you like your race walking, the Australian 20k Race Walking Championship, which is the Australian Underage Race Walking Championship, as well as in Adelaide the next day. 15th of February, Mori Plant Meet in Melbourne, part of the World Athletics Continental Tour, gold version of it. Chemist Warehouse Classic in Canberra on the 2nd, into Sydney on the 23rd. The stall gift, of course, is March 30th. Then, of course, the 2024 Chemist Warehouse Australian Athletics Championships are in Adelaide from April 11 to April 19, where it's always intense, but another level is needed when it is an Olympic year. So that hopefully clears it up a little bit. If you needed some help and need some more, jump on Athletics Australia website and check it all out. It's all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. It's all thanks to Swiss. We are getting out of here. We will speak to you next week.